Hello and welcome to Ugly the Podcast as hosted by me, Tilly Wilson, the host of Ugly the Podcast as hosted by me, Tills Wells. I'm going to put a trigger warning right before this episode starts because the whole episode is around the question, do people ever recover from eating disorders? I saw a discussion online the other day that I wanted to get involved in about whether people do actually recover because they still can slip into habits and thoughts and emotions that correlate to when they were unwell. So let's get into it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you do find yourself enjoying these episodes, please feel free to rate the podcast, turn notifications on, or even follow the podcast. And if you ever need any help, or if you ever need to talk to anyone, I'm also available on Instagram if you ever needed to talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, to preface this episode with kind of like an, an introduction, I wouldn't say this at this present moment, I wouldn't say that I have an eating disorder. I wouldn't label myself with a title of uh what I have because I don't feel as if I do anymore I have in previous years experienced eating disorders whether I'm not going to say specifically which ones um but I have been through that kind of period of my life where I kind of accumulated habits and thoughts and emotions regarding it could be certain foods or something to do that could that could have triggered me I've kind of accumulated these triggers throughout my life and the other day, I think it was that I really was, I was quite peckish at night time and it was half one in the morning and I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to, I'm watching a movie. I'm going to go and get myself a snack. And I looked at the time and I was like, oh, you can't eat past 12. And I hadn't thought like that in nearly two years. I'd never had that thought. And it kind of made my eyes open a little bit more. And I was like, okay, hang on. I haven't thought this way in around a year and a half, two years what else am I doing that I'm not realizing is an old habit that I used to have when I was unwell? What else am I falling into that I'm not realizing that is an unhealthy habit? So I obviously went and got myself a snack and I thought about it a little bit more. And I was like, okay, I then thought about my day to day life and actions. And I realized that I still have habits and thoughts to do with certain foods or what I eat or exercise that day or certain restrictions and emotions when I see certain foods. And I realized that even though I'm not unwell, I am no way like the way I was when I did have an eating disorder, but I still think the way that I did then. It's just that I don't recognize it anymore because I don't label myself as to have an eating disorder. And I kind of sat back and I thought, this isn't healthy. How is it healthy for me to think the way I did when I was unwell? But I ignore it because I'm I'm not in that state of my life anymore. And I want to talk about how because diet culture is so ingrained 
into our everyday life. And I'm not just talking about like what media we consume on TikTok of telling us what times to eat or to what water to, if you had what hot water in the morning or what times you'd stop eating or what kind of diet you should go on today. Not even just social media, but even in supermarkets, when you can walk past an aisle that's like, I don't know, I've never seen one titled, but I've walked past little sections where it's been like the skinny section you know, or the ones that have less calories or less carbs or reduced sugars and those like skinny syrup things. We genuinely cannot escape it in our day-to-day lives because of the culture around it, because of the money that it can make, because of how people can fall into the trap of thinking that they are less than or less important because their body looks a different way or because they aren't eating these foods or because they're eating past 9pm, God forbid. But it's strange because I never realised that I am recovered, but I still have those thoughts. So am I recovered? If I sometimes still slip into the way I was a couple months, years ago, am I truly over this disorder? Or have I just kind of lied to myself and been hiding it? I always talk so much about comparing ourselves to people that we see online or even in person and whenever I do find myself say for example me and my mum could be in town shopping and I see a really beautiful girl and I'm like oh my goodness like her hair looks amazing today I wish my hair looked like that and my mum always turns to me and she says but you don't know that that girl could be having could be feeling so self-conscious today and she could have looked at you and thought wow she looks amazing I wish I looked like that you know I always talk about comparing ourselves to other people. So with being on TikTok and with being on Instagram so much, it's so easy to look at photos and look at videos and be like, oh my God, like she looks incredible. Why don't I look like that? And you start to put yourself down because you can't see yourself in other people, which is crazy if you think about it. It's as if you're trying to find relatability in an extremely unique other person. Everybody is unique but you're trying to find yourself in someone else is not kind of the right way to think. And I had to almost sit back and be kind to myself and be like, okay, just because your body doesn't look like this 18 year old girl from Central America who has been to the gym for the past four years of her life. So what if it doesn't anyway? So what if it looks less towards the beauty standard? Okay, Who's making that beauty standard? Who is telling me that I should have a slimmer waist and have smaller legs? If I did have slimmer waist and smaller legs, would I be happier in my mental health? Would I be a better friend to my best friends? Would I be a better daughter to my mum and dad? Would I be a better auntie to my niece and nephew? I always like to look at things as the bigger picture, especially when it comes down to my body, because it's so hard to try and get into people's heads that you are so much more than a body you're so much more than a body and even though that your body's beautiful you have a personality and you have style and you have an elegance about you and you have intelligence and you've got such a beautiful brain that you shouldn't dim yourself down to just being a body think of the bigger picture and think of okay if I had slimmer arms if my bum looks like this girl that I will never meet or never be friends with or never speak to on Instagram, would I be a better person? This is where on social media we 
value ourselves towards our body because all we see is what the beauty standard is in different countries or whatever like that all we see is obviously variations of beautiful people and everyone is beautiful but as I said obviously if you're constantly swiping through your TikTok and seeing people that I don't know are getting praise for their looks and just because you didn't get praise that look today that day for your looks you might feel a little insecure but you're so much more than a body I sometimes really have to take the time to be kind to myself for example yesterday not yesterday on Friday I wore a really cute outfit but I felt a little bit insecure and I took a little bit of time to be like okay why are you being mean to yourself if my friend came up to me and she was like oh your thighs look big in those boots I wouldn't be friends with her so don't let that voice in your head tear you down like that think of the voice in your head as your friend sometimes obviously she's going to be a little bit mean sometimes she's going to be really really kind to you But you need to almost learn to coexist with the voice in your head that correlates to your eating disorder. Think of like the emotions island. There is one of those in your head that is related to when you were unwell, if you ever have been unwell with your body, um, the view of your body or the view on food. There's always unfortunately going to be that remnant of that voice in your head. But it's about learning to live with it and coexist with it. And what I mean by that is that I've learned, okay, I'm always going to have pieces of the person that I was left with me. I'm always going to have that past history with my eating habits or with the way that I viewed my body. I'm not going to get rid of that because that's part of who I am today. But I'm going to learn to accept that that happened. I'm going to learn to accept the fact that sometimes there's going to be a voice in my head that tells me, oh, don't get that pastry. Don't get that drink. Don't go out again for drinks, don't eat that extra dinner. There's sometimes I'm going to have those thoughts, but I have to learn to be so kind to myself when that voice comes back. And I have to be like, no, if I want to eat a pastry, if there's a voice inside me that's like, oh, that looks so good, I'll get it. If there's a voice inside me that's like, oh, it'd be really nice to go out for lunch today with my friend, I'm going to go. I'm not going to sit back and be unhappy and listen to that voice in my head that's desperately trying to tear me down. It's like, say, for example, if you had an ex-boyfriend and he saw you were doing really, really well, of course, he's going to stop at nothing to try and get you back and trying to pull you back in and trying to pull you down. Think of your eating disorder voice in your head as your toxic ex-boyfriend. He's constantly trying to pull you back in and he's constantly trying to pull you back down so you're not leveling up think of that as your voice as the voice in your head to do with your eating disorder and just ignore it either ignore it or accept it and be like okay you can stay that's fine I can live with you but you're not my friend and I'm not going to listen to you I don't respect you anymore and you're not going to be able to take over my life anymore sometimes I have to look at aspects of my life that I really love in order to get away from that voice in my head I have to almost shove in its face how good my life has been since I've got over it and since I've left my eating disorder behind. I know, of course, I say, do people ever really recover? And I'm going to discuss that exact line in a minute. But for now, whenever I do feel myself falling back into those habits or falling back into kind of the thoughts and emotions that related to when I had an eating disorder, I shove in its face like, hang on, since I've left you behind, look at what I've achieved. 
since I've started loving my body and started treating it with kindness and treating myself with kindness, I've gone on these trips. I've been able to take my nephew to nursery. I've been able to go on holiday with my mum and dad. I've been able to get a new job. I've been able to work on my social media. I've been able to, and I am going to pin this down to this, I've been able to create a mental health podcast since leaving my eating disorder behind. I would never have spoke about this topic before. And this is crazy to think now that I am talking about an eating disorder online. Because I, to be honest, at one point thought I'd never get away from those thoughts. And I thought that they'd stick with me forever. And I want to tell you, if you are listening to this right now and you are enduring an eating disorder or falling back into those thoughts, it doesn't stay forever if you don't let it. Again, as I said, it's like a toxic friend. You need to break up with them in order to move on. And they can stick around. You don't have to kind of be horrible about it, be horrible to it even. You kind of have to be kind to yourself and be like, okay, that happened, but I'm not living with it anymore. I'm not going to be friends with it anymore, you know? But you have to tell yourself, okay, look at what I've achieved since I've left this behind. What could you achieve if you're enduring it now, if you do leave it behind today? You know, think of things that you would love to do in life. Think of your absolute utmost dreams. Like your dream could be being a movie star, but you need to get better first. You need to have a full focused vision, for example, to achieve being an Oscar winning actress. So you need to break up with this toxic voice in your head. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So relating to the phrase, do people ever really recover from eating disorders? I do believe that people recover. However, do I think that they leave us deep down? No. It could be different for everyone personally. I can't speak on behalf of everyone who's ever experienced an eating disorder or kind of disordered eating. That's the same exact thing. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going insane. But I think that there's always going to be a voice in my head trying to control the way that I eat or the way that I value myself. If my body changes, which I've learned to accept in the past couple of months, if my body changes and it's different to the beauty standards, it's different to what I'm seeing online, there's nothing wrong with that because I don't value myself on the way my body looks anymore. I don't underpin my value and the way that I treat myself by the way that my legs look, by the way that my stomach or my arms look that day, by the way that that top fits me or that top doesn't fit me anymore, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the kindness that I give other people. This podcast is what I value myself on. I value myself on the outfits that I wear day to day. I value myself on calling my parents and seeing if they're okay, or I value myself on the treatment that I give to my friends when I buy them flowers. Find small things about yourself. It could be that you value yourself on your cooking skills or the way that you are with your dogs or anything and value yourself on that. 
Don't look at your arms one day and think, oh God, they're bigger than they were when I was 14. Therefore, I'm going to be mean to myself. No. It's obviously so hard for me to sit behind a phone and tell you to be kind to yourself, especially to do with your body. And especially if all you're seeing over social media is what you think you should look like. And I'm doing that with those like the bunny ear finger things. I'm like holding it up in front of the phone as if you can see. But once I stopped valuing myself off the way that my thighs looked in a certain dress, I trust you, trust me, that I have been such a happier person. I've valued myself off of this podcast and I've become such a nicer person to be around because I'm not so angry at the world and I'm not so angry at myself for the way that I look. I've been so kind to myself and I've treated myself with so much empathy and compassion on this journey of healing and this recovery, so to speak, so that when this voice does come back in my head and it tells me, oh, okay, maybe don't have dessert, I recognise that that's that toxic ex-boyfriend that's trying to come back and pull me down. You almost have to defy the voice in your head and do the opposite. If the voice in your head is telling you to not eat that dessert, eat that dessert. And if it's going to be a struggle to just straight away get a dessert, spit it with a friend. Take half home. Have that other half later when you watch a movie. Don't be cruel to yourself when that voice comes back. It's hard for obviously me to say this, but you need to literally be so assertive with yourself that when this voice comes back, it literally cannot get to you at all. The voice will kind of show up in your head, but you don't even listen to it. You put it on mute. You're like, okay, sorry, I've got to go. Busy right now, ordering my dessert. I do want to just repeat the fact that you are not just a body. You are so much more than a body. And it's sometimes so difficult to see yourself in the mirror as something other than what your brain is telling you. Sometimes you need to literally ignore what's going on in your head and treat yourself as if you're... Say, for example, how would you treat your mum if your mum came into the room and she said, oh my God, I feel really ugly today. My thighs have got bigger. You would say, oh my God, you're crazy. You look beautiful. You look amazing. You'd buy her flowers. You'd give her a big hug. Whenever you feel yourself going back into these thoughts, you need to be so kind to yourself. And if you feel as if you can't give that to yourself, if you feel as if, okay, I'm not strong enough right now to fight these thoughts, go to your friends, go to whoever you trust the most. It could be your sister. It could be your parents. It could be your best friends, anyone. Give them a call, go and sit with them. Or even if you feel as if you don't want to talk about anyone to this, go to a cafe, go on a walk, put a podcast on, put some music on, maybe write about it in your journal. But I just really hope that you understand that you're so much more than what you look like in the mirror. You are compassionate and you have empathy and you've got intelligence, you've got creativity, you've got amazing style, amazing taste. I'm sure you've got brilliant people around you. And even if you don't right now, you have a pen and a paper and that's all you need. You've got your phone, you've got your iPad if you've got an iPad or a computer or whatever. You've got all the time in the world with yourself. And if you feel like you can't give yourself compassion or empathy right now, learn about yourself, learn about what you can give yourself. If you're not the type of person to talk about your emotions, maybe you can express and get out the way that you're feeling through movies. Try and find your favourite movies or figure out your favourite TV shows and use it as a source of comfort. 
everybody's got kind of their comfort movie or their comfort food as well, which is something that I haven't actually spoke about, but especially to do with the fact that this issue is stemming down to do with whether you've had an eating disorder or you've had a skewed bodily vision of the way you look like. This is the perfect time to spend time alone and figure out, okay, what are my triggers? What are the things that are setting me off to make me feel like this? Is it a certain person? Is it certain foods? Is it certain media that I'm consuming? It could be that you might want to take a break from social media. It could be that, I don't know, the TV show that you're watching could be talking about triggering things. Could be people around you talking about triggering things. Therefore, you need to put in a boundary with them to be like, okay, I know that these things are a joke, but I really am not ready to talk about it right now. Find things that make you feel better about these triggers. For example, I'm trying to think one of my... When people say, oh, I haven't eaten anything today, it sometimes has triggered me. And it's not been their fault because they could be struggling too, but I've had to put in a boundary with people and be like, okay, I don't really want to say that. You know, I don't really want to hear that on a day where I'm struggling a little bit, you know. But find things that make you feel better so that when you do fall into these habits, which I hope that you don't, in an ideal world, this will never happen again. You'll never feel like that again. You'll think that food is your friend. It is not your enemy. It's there to guide you through life. It's there to give you your beautiful body and allow your body to give you all your dreams, get you through all these experiences in life and treat your body with kindness and love look at your body and be like, thank you so much for everything you've done for me. I'm so grateful. Your body has taken you to different countries. Your body has taken you on walks where you may have met some new friends. Your body has done so many things for you. Be kind to it. Be grateful for it. And even if it looks different to a girl online that you'll never speak to in your life, there's nothing wrong with that almost be like, oh my gosh, yay, my body looks different than everybody else's body. You're so unique and you're so beautiful. And that isn't a bad thing. Celebrate the fact that you look different to other people because you're amazing. And before I get into my film analysis for the day, I want to just tell you that if you are struggling with anything that I've said in this podcast, please feel free to message me. I'm here all the time, here all the time. I'm here all day. I'm on shift all day. But seriously, message me if you ever need any help, if you need any advice, or if you want me to talk about anything in more detail, I'm happy to. Um, But I really hope that you're okay. And I really hope that you see yourself as more than just your body. And even if you do see yourself as your body, celebrate the fact that your body is beautiful, and your body has done so much for you and be grateful and thank it for everything. Today's film review or analysis I don't know, I feel like I actually just speak a load of waffle, like I put in a little essay in at the end of the episode. I don't even know whether people listen to the end of these, but let me know if you do, because I actually do quite enjoy doing them. I mean, my friend said to me the other day, she was like, oh, I loved your review of Priscilla, and I was like, you you listen to that? You listen to that? Anyway, today's film analysis is going to be on the film Carol, which is a 1950s romance film about um, a lesbian relationship between... Kate Blanchett, not actually Kate Blanchett, but it was played by Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara. Um, but it's such a wonderful film. It's kind of Christmassy, but it's just such a beautiful romantic love story that's also kind of tragic. But let's get into that. 
the film in general, like the aesthetic of it through the mise-en-scene and the way that it was shot just has like a dark and dull exterior. Like it has this hard exterior that you kind of can't escape. And that's, I feel as if an exact reflection of 1950s society and its impact upon individuals that want to escape the boundaries of the society in general. There's a constant switch between imagery of men or imagery of like perfect housewives and women in these heterosexual couples that only enhances the emotional impact of Carol and Therese's love because they don't fit and they don't conform to this um, heteronormality that requires like a nuclear family where you've got the wife, you've got the husband, the kids, the pets, the kind of richness of Carol's life that she has where she's living in this heterosexual relationship but everywhere she goes the camera tracks her and there's always something in the background there's always someone in the background there's always something trapping her and something uh kind of confronting the fact that she can't get out of this relationship the film is impeccably elegant through the repeated use of shots through windows or glass to me represents the barrier between 1950s society and homosexual relationships there's always this kind of uh, entrapment of these relationships. For example, Carol and Therese are two women who are attracted to each other romantically, but whenever they're together, they are inside. They have something around them that is uh, constricting them from society in general, from the outside population. Whenever we see them, they're most likely in the car. They're in literally a metal box, which is the only place where their love can be seen and can be had. I've analysed this film so many times, and after my first watch, watch, I thought just from scratching the first layer of the film that it was kind of your average period piece, and I don't really like period pieces or dramas in general about trapped lovers. However, after exploring context of not only the time, but also aspects such as like film form and the way that we're aligned through these characters and our spectatorship, this may be one of my favourite romance films I've ever watched. The raw auteur style, as depicted from Haynes, stems from the repeated shots through glass, windows, cars, and in context of the time, it was taken from a photographer and to me, represents the lovers, like Carol and Therese, to only be together behind closed doors, in this case, a metal box, their love can only be ensued through barriers and through hiding. Although our alignment is always with Therese, we're constantly with her. We switch to Carol kind of rapid, like very immediately. And it kind of emphasises the raw emotions of the story. The fact that even though we're always with this very youthful eye of Therese, we immediately switch to Carol and she's having to be with divorce lawyers. She's splitting up her marriage and she's losing her child we kind of go from this um naive and very childish type spectatorship with Therese of like oh I'm young I can be with this woman and it's not going to affect me and then it switches to Carol and all of a sudden everything just kind of there's repeated very close-up shots where it feels very claustrophobic it's like she is being tormented by the society even more so than Therese, because she hasn't got anything entrapping her, really. For example, in terms of spectatorship and ideology, some may like or dislike the film for many reasons. Like, 
For one, Haynes will never ever be able to keep a 100% passive audience due to the fact, and this is a spoiler alert, mothers may disagree with Carol's abandonment of her child due to their own personal bond with their children. They may view her as selfish because of the fact that she's choosing romantic love over her maternal love. She's choosing herself in a society that condemns her to being a mother and being a wife to a man and living in this house where she kind of, she has her duties as a mother and her husband, he gets to go out, but she doesn't. The film for me, it's such an easy watch and it's so beautiful, but it's kind of on the second watch that you're elicited to so much more emotion, which is very rare because sometimes when you watch a film for the second time, you can't, you already, you obviously know what's going on and you're kind of just passively watching and you can go on your phone when you're watching a film for the second time because you already know what's going on. But with this film, when you watch it the second time round, you notice so many things and you pick up on how even though when we're aligned with Therese, Carol's life in the background, even though we're not seeing it, we know it's slowly crumbling because people are kind of finding out about these two women. The film portrays so many more sublime moments in which I viewed as genuinely perfect. And I I love my films. I love rating films. I love reviewing them. Very rarely, I will give it a 10 out of 10. And I said that about her. I did give her a 10 out of 10, but Carol, to me, also is genuinely a 10 out of 10. I really hope you enjoyed today's film analysis. And again, side note, I know I've said it a million times, but you can message me if the the foremost reason for this episode, for example, when I was speaking about eating disorders, if that's affecting you right now, please feel free that you can get in touch at any time. If not, there are a lot of helplines online. If you ever need any help, go to your friends, go to your family, go to anyone that you trust because you're not alone. And if there isn't anyone you trust right now, you've got a pen and a paper and you have yourself. So treat yourself with so much kindness and compassion because you're so much more than just a body. Mwah.